Sorry if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for a few minutes. I appreciate you being here tonight. I didn't know if anybody was going to show up with all the stuff going on, but let's pray. Had some people call in this afternoon and say they had COVID. We need to pray for Jeremy Smith, uh, but he called personally and, and told us that he'd come down with it and he wanted, to, he wanted prayer, so we ought to pray for him, amen, and several others um, on the prayer list tonight. I want you to pray for uh, tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Um, it's hard to preach a funeral of a young man that you hadn't seen in about nine years, but they left the church um, about nine years ago, I believe, uh, for a job situation in Chattanooga and um, lived in Utawa. Now they live in Trenton, Georgia, and I'm praying they'll get in uh, Brother Philip Trash Church. They've been... They visited one time. I pray they'll go back. I asked Brother Philip if he'd go visit the family this afternoon because I couldn't get up there and get back. Pray for them. And if any of you taught Carson uh, Buckner in Master Club, I need to speak to you right after the service. I think it was Master Club. It could have been Awanas back then. I'm not sure. But I need to talk to you about uh, his testimony. That would help me out greatly. Uh, preaching the funeral on the graveside. I appreciate Brother... Uh, Randy delaying his trip to uh, sing. The family asked him to sing by the graveside. It's supposed to be 44 degrees and windy. And so I hope uh, uh, Brother Randy will keep his hat on. We'll be all right, amen. But uh, pray for that funeral service because I am going for souls. I believe that uh, several of the brothers and sisters are lost. I believe mom and daddy need to rededicate their life. Uh, Aunt uh, Andrea needs to draw close to the Lord at her own mission. And uh, let's just pray. It was a tragic accident, a head-on collision with a Mack truck and that bad stretch on I-24 right before you get to the uh, I-59 exit. She, he was only about 20 minutes from home. He was going back to Trenton. 19 years old. Life's just a vapor. I'm preaching on James chapter 4 tomorrow. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. I can't, I can't know, uh, think of anything else to preach, for, preach about except drawing nigh to God. And this will be a great opportunity. Then Saturday, I have a funeral at 1 o'clock for Brother Timmy Kendrick. And I pray that we can minister to Miss Sheila. I hadn't seen her in about 10 years. And so these funerals are tough uh, because these were all young men and not very unexpected. And uh, Brother Timmy uh, had cirrhosis liver. He never drank a day in his life. He just had cirrhosis liver. And he died young, 48 years old. I used to think 48 was not young, but. I think it's real young now, and uh, let's pray for Sheila. She had to move out of her apartment, move back in with Daddy, Odiva. I don't know if y'all remember him or not. Odiva Gibson. He was he's a character, and uh, so that'll be Saturday. So I've got a busy weekend, and I wish you'd really pray for me to have strength and grace. Uh, hadn't got all my strength back yet, but uh, I feel good. And my wife had the best day she's had in three weeks, so that's a blessing. And I hated to counsel the uh, master club because I'm not a counselor. I am a go-getter, let's get it done, let's get it back, especially when we told the children we'd have it. But after seven cases that are active in our church, I decided it'd be best we don't get in a small room or a small van. And so that's just how I have to lead. And I hope you're with me. And uh, we're trying to just be cautious. Maybe we can start back in February which is one week from today, amen? 
That's my that's my goal. But we're going to reevaluate, and we'll let you know in time for visitation. But I sure hated it. But it looks like with the crowd here, we wouldn't have had enough leaders anyway. So, because uh, I think leaders ought to be in church, uh, no matter what, um, if they can. But let's turn to um, verse thirteen, First uh, Thessalonians chapter five. And I'm going to end this study, so y'all get in on the end of it, especially verse twenty-three. That'll really thrill your heart. It's thrilled my heart to find out the benefits of walking with God, the benefits of living a holy life. And we had a good report on Brother Larry. He's, uh, his auction has been turned down a little this afternoon. He tolerated it, so that's he's heading in the right direction. Please pray uh, for him as he's had double pneumonia and COVID. And, uh, and uh, he's just, he's, it's a miracle, it really is. Steve Robertson is a great preacher, a good preacher, from Chattanooga, a good friend of mine, and uh, he he um, uh, has a severe case of diabetes, and this COVID is really taxing his body. And they put him on a ventilator, and they're really uh, concerned about him up in North Carolina. And several other preacher friends of mine have this, so let's pray. This stuff's real. It's not over yet, but Whitfield County's heading in the right direction. If you saw my chart, I thank God that it's going down. Amen? It's been... Sp- Speak, spiking real high, but it's going down. So I'm an optimist. I believe this is going to get better. might get worse before it gets better, but praise God, it's going to get better. And I know I'm getting better, and I thank God that I'm over it. Amen. And I hope that you get over it, that are listening, that are very sick at home. Verse 13, let's stand on the Word of God. It says, and to esteem them highly in love for their work's sakes. And here's what I want to talk about. And be at peace among yourselves. Greatest encouragement to a parent, to anybody in leadership, uh, to anybody who's trying to lead anybody is to be together. Greatest greatest encouragement. But look at verse 14. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. That's all of us. Amen. Support the weak. Be patient towards all men. It's like a Gatling gun sermon. It says, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Y'all doing that during all this stuff? It's been a long year. Praise God. We ought to rejoice evermore. And pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's where I stopped last week. And then this is what I want to take up this tonight. Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Man, and the very God, here it is, and the very God, this is the results of living a holy life. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And it says, and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great encouraging verse? That you're not going to be a ghost in heaven. It says your whole body, soul, and spirit. And look at verse 24 and we'll, we'll stop here. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You may be seated as I pray. Father, we pray for those that are grieving in heart tonight. I think of my daughter-in-law, Stephanie. 
It just marks one year since Gary's went home. Lord, I know it's been a rough day. My heart goes out to her. I pray she watches tonight if she happens to be watching it. Something said would encourage her. God for the Rice family and God for the Kindred family and all those that experienced uh, death in the last few months or years. I pray to God you'd comfort them. Be with those that are sick. And God, we pray for wisdom and how to handle all this. And God, we know we can't handle it, but you can. And Lord, help us as we sum up this uh, chapter. And Lord, as the Apostle Paul closes with how to walk holy in the last days and the benefit thereof. Lord, give us grace to live a sanctified life. We're going to thank you and praise you for what you're doing through this message. Challenge our hearts. Comfort us, Lord. Some need encouragement. And we thank you, God, for the encouragement of seeing people here in the house of God and those listening by way of internet. So, Lord, bless your holy name through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to back up to point 10, Brother Cody. I think there's 22 points in this message. They're one-liners, so it shouldn't take long. But the Bible says in verse 13, there ought to be some conciliation. And that means be at peace among yourselves. And it was talking about you ought to know your spiritual leaders and you ought to respect your spiritual leaders. But the greatest encouragement for a spiritual leader, and this has been true in our church overall in the years uh, that I've pastored, which I'm the only one that has pastored, um, is that we have unity in this church. I have, ne- I, you know, there's been a few schisms, a few groups walk out, but usually it's just individuals that walk off. And I tell you what, you better pray that it's the will of God when you leave a church. Amen. And that God's got some other place for you because you can really miss the will of God and it'll affect your children more than it'll affect you. Amen. So you need to be careful about moves that you make. And I'll say a little bit more about that tomorrow afternoon. But I want to say this, friend. God help us to stay together. One of the most de- effective tactics of the devil is divide and devour. To discourage spiritual leaders, parents, when children don't get along. It grieves the parents. It grieves the pastor. We must stay together for two reasons. For the furtherance of the gospel and to fight a good warfare. And then we see also in verse 14, the Bible says that we ought to be patient towards one another. And then it says, warn them, warn them. Um, uh, it says, now you exhort you brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, Support the weak, be patient towards all men. Well, the hardest things a pastor has to do is to correct an adult who's acting like a kid or correct an adult that's a believer that's acting like an unbeliever that has sin in their life. You ought to try it sometimes. Some of y'all can't even do it with children. But I want to tell you something. When you start correcting adults, you better be led of the Spirit of God. But the Bible says we ought to warn them that are unruly. And that means disorderly. Those who conduct conduct is against peace and productive order of, of the work of God. And I believe it ought to be done one-on-one and not from the pulpit as much because every time you uh, war, warn somebody, usually one-on-one from the pulpit, it's not it, they always side with the wounded party. Uh, many times I've had to go to the homes and talk to people about their causing division in our church. I remember we had one lady... It was upset because we had a gravel parking lot and she had $200 high heels. And she said, those are running my 
a thing, and she stood up in a business meeting, interrupted a whole business meeting. I rebuked her, and uh, then I had to go to the, her house and tell her, I said, if we got $23,000, we'll pay the parking lot. That's ridiculous, you know, and she, and she, and they brought out a lot of other things that they didn't like about our church. And I had to deal with that one-on-one, and that wasn't easy. That wasn't a good Tuesday night visitation, I'm telling you. That's when you want to get the eight-to-five job with no pressure and just go back to regular old working. But I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible says we ought to warn them that are unruly. A lot of churches wouldn't split, splatter, and splinter if we'd go to people personally and, and help them and restore them and even rebuke them if they need it. Then the Bible says that in the last days there ought to be a lot of stimulation, and that means comfort the feeble-minded. Look at it real quick. Trying to get to verse 18, but I don't want to overlook these great one truths about walking holy. It says comfort the feeble-minded. And literally that means the faint-hearted, uh, the discouraged. You get discouraged. How many has there been discouraged? I mean, this week is people kept calling in and calling in that they, you know, and I had to make decisions I didn't want to make. Uh, it's, e- it's easy sometimes just to pass the buck. And you can get discouraged, even as a spiritual leader. You can get dispirited. You can get faint-hearted. And people need to have faith, and they need to be excited. And folks, when they're struggling, they need to keep on being faithful. And We just need to be good examples to those that are faint-hearted. And then toleration is found in verse 14, the last Part, it says, be patient towards all men. Uh, folks, uh, we ought to exercise much patience. The Bible says that love is long-suffering and is patient. Uh, then it goes on to say it's not puffed up. A lot of people uh, look like the puffed-up fish that I caught one time deep-sea di- uh, diving. I don't do that. Uh, fishing. And I looked at it and I said, man, a lot of that looks like one of the members that's all puffed up all the time. Folks, why should we be puffed up? We ought to rejoice. Let it out, amen? Galatians 5.22 says we ought to have a spirit of temperance in our life and uh, meekness. And then we see also uh, that there ought to be uh, no retaliation in the last days. Look at verse 15. See that none render evil for evil, unto any man, but everyone follow which is good, both among yourselves and all men. Folks, you can get even and lose a friend. You can get even and lose a mate. But folks, what we need to do is get humble. and We need to forgive as Christ forgave. We need to forgive others that hurt us and that we don't agree with. And we don't need to run them down and gossip and complain and murmur. What we need to do is pray for those that hurt us that don't understand us. And so there shouldn't be any retaliation in the last days before Jesus comes. And then sanctification. Look at verse 15. It says, But every ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. We ought to follow what is good. There ought to be a desire to pursue goodness. There's a natural tendency to pursue evil but the believer is to pursue good. And then verse 16, which we all need, especially in times like these, when you think about all the things that are happening in our government, um, I I can't understand how a man who thinks he's a woman can be over our health. I can't understand 
a man that's married to a man can be in the cabinet of the greatest United States of America. I can't understand that. And I just want to sometimes go off and just cry over all this stuff and forget it. But you know what the Bible says what to do? Rejoice evermore. Now, folks, I want to tell you what that means. That means you ought to rejoice that the Lord's still on the throne. Number two, that God will bring this to pass and that God has a way of evening things out and restoring things if we put them in his hands. We ought to rejoice. It's better than grumbling. It's even therapeutic. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, that it's medicine for your soul. The smile. You ever tried that? It takes more muscles to frown than it does smile. And I want to tell you something. You're hurting your health if you grumble all the time. That causes acid reflux. <laughs> now, I don't know what it causes, but it causes people to not be close to you. and They don't want to be around you. And so the Bible says we ought to be um, attractively rejoicing. There ought to be a smile upon your face by faith, even in these days. Uh, we don't understand what's happening. I don't understand it at all. But I know this, we ought to rejoice evermore because the Bible says we ought to rejoice evermore. Then verse 17, it says pray without ceasing. And folks, I don't mean you pray every moment of the day. It means you have an attitude of prayer. It's impossible for you to be praying every moment of the day. But there ought to be a attitude, an attitude not only of appreciation, but um, of supplication. Um, we, need to, we need to pray without ceasing. We need to pray every day. Uh, I feel sorry for people that the only time they come to church is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. I've never figured that out. My mother would not allow that in my life. She taught me that if the doors of the church are open, we're going to be there no matter what. And I was taught that discipline at a very early age, and I thank God for my mama. I thank God I was a mama's boy, I know. But I thank God that she drug me to church, and she took me to church, and I got hooked on the place, and then I got saved, and I got hooked on the Lord, and I thank God that we could rejoice but also have appreciation, and we could pray without ceasing. And folks, in everything, give thanks for it's the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. And folks, that's appreciation. The will of God for you is led by the Holy Spirit of God and he works all things together, that's what we ended with last week, to make you more like Jesus. So we ought to thank God for everything that happens in our life. We ought to thank God for everything. And the Bible says to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The word in Christ Jesus means it makes you more like him. And it's concerning you. God's got a plan for your life. But I want to dwell on this just for a few minutes. i got a few minutes. I want you to see there shouldn't be any suffocation in the last day. There ought to be a lot of supplication, but not suffocation. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Now, I want to say this. That means exactly what it means. It means that we hinder the work of the Lord in our lives, in the lives of others. We smother. We stifle. We harbor sin in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is always working in our life to lead us in the will of God. And believers quench the spirit, the spirit of prayer, the spirit of the will of God, when we quench him by ignoring him, by neglecting him, by disobeying him. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not an it. Uh, 
And sometimes simply procrastination grieves the Spirit of God. He's telling you to move. He's telling you to be obedient. He's telling you to witness to somebody and you don't do it. That is disobedience. And folks, we quench the Spirit. We need to be very uh, susceptible and, and submissive and let the Spirit of God sway us and lead us and guide us. And so we can quench the Spirit of God. Another place in the Bible says we can grieve the Spirit of God. Now, folks, this is a very wonderful passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. I've used it many times, if you'll turn with me there. Uh, in marriage, uh, that, you know, we ought to forgive one another. And, folks, the Bible says that we ought to not grieve the Spirit of God when it comes to certain areas of our life. And look at this. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, notice the word and. That's right before that we ought to not let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth that we should not give place to the devil. That's bitterness. And it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here's the word, and be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so folks, grieving the Spirit of God, is grieving means it, pains him, it vexed him, it saddens him. Look how, what a person the Holy Spirit is. You don't grieve an it, you don't grieve a force. And folks, uh, we grieve the Spirit of God when we allow impure things to penetrate our life, like bad thinking, bad entertainment, pornography, uh, lustful things. Uh, we behave immorally, that grieves the Spirit of God. We act unjustly, it grieves the Spirit of God, and we allow or participate in anything contrary to the nature of the Spirit. Uh, one time I had a youth retreat in Apaca, Florida. I'll never forget it. And uh, we went down from Claxton to Apaca, Florida, and I made all the youth, months before they went on that trip, to read the book, In His Steps. And it was about, you know the book, it was, it's just a tremendous uh, bestseller. And they all read that, and they had all the preachers come in and preach on uh, in his steps. And the question all week with those youth was, what would Jesus do? That's the question of the book. What would Jesus do? I think it's the question of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, what would Jesus do? And so let me admonish you in these uh, this, this last verses, and there's rapid fire, is that one of the most important verses in the Word of God is one, two, three, four words long. Quench not the Spirit. You ought to be led by the Spirit. You ought to be, uh, uh, you ought to love the Spirit of truth so you don't like error. Uh, you ought to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit leads and the Spirit makes God real. And folks, I want to tell you something. You worship in the flesh, you might as well stay home. You might as well turn the channel and watch uh, live entertainment. Because I'm going to tell you something, if you don't worship in the Spirit, uh, you will. it won't be real to you. It'll be dull, it'll be lifeless, it'll be um, uh, just another service, it'll be just preaching, and it's over. And folks, it ought to be the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. That's my prayer. I want to be soft and pliable and swayable and submissive to the Spirit of God. I don't want to quench Him, and I don't want to grieve Him. I sure don't want to lie to him, and I don't want to blaspheme. That's four attitudes toward the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. 
And then I want you to see something I'll close with. Is I see in the last days, we should not detest. We should not despise. It says, despise not prophesying. Now folks, prophesying here is not necessarily predicting, but it's proclaiming the message of God. And I want to tell you something. We can get used to this if we're not careful. And just because we got, we got you know, the, uh, very few people here tonight, we can get down and out, and we can go crowd mentality if we're, if we're not careful. Many want to replace the preaching with some carnal program. Dramas are no replacement for preaching. Singing is no replacement for preaching. Nothing is replacing, should replace preaching. Preaching um, replaced by carnal programs are guilty of despising prophecy, detesting it. And I got a few verses I want you to, to look at with me. Uh, in verse chapter 5, uh, verse 20, it says, despise not prophesying. But if you go back, prophesy, but if you'll go back to chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, uh, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as the truth, the word of God, which is effectual, working also in you that believe. So folks, you ought to believe preaching is effectual. You ought to believe it will change your life. You ought to believe that it's the word of God and not the word of Wayne. It's not the word of man. It's not the word of a teacher. It's the word of God. We should not low rate it. Despise means count as ordinary. And you know what happened in 2 Samuel um, chapter 11? David uh, sinned the sin of omission, and he didn't go on the front lines, but he stayed there uh, and disobeyed God. Sin of omission leads a lot of times to the sin of commission, and this was a terrible sin. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible says that David brought Uriah back, tried to get him drunk, then he tried to get him to go to be with his wife so he could cover up his adulterous affair with his wife, and all of this was ended in verse 27. It says that this thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Then God sent the prophet Nathan and rebuked his sin with a parable that a man had one ewe lamb, that was Uriah and Bathsheba, and thank God there was a man, uh, there was another man that had a many sheep. That was David with all his wives. And he said, the man with all the sheep went and took the one ewe lamb what would you do? And David said, was angered greatly. And he said, I would kill the man. He'd have, to he'd have to replace everything he stole fourfold. And Nathan looked at him in that, one, that short sermon and says, The Lord liveth, this man hath done the thing which shall surely die. And he said, Thou art the man. And then David taught him why he sinned. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, he says, wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord? If you start treating lightly the word of God and you don't read it every day, you don't memorize it, you don't paralyze it and actualize it and obey it, and you don't come to church and you don't listen to the word of God, you're despising it. You're counting it as any other word. And it, says that, and it says to do evil in his sight. He says you despise the commandments. Then verse 10 of 2 Samuel chapter 12 it says, now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house because thou hast despised me. And so folks, listen, despise not prophesying. Despise not prophecy. Preaching should be preeminent 
in every service, in every church. I want you to see what Paul thought about preaching. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. I'm glad I could be here tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And when you can't be here, you really want to be here. I learned that lesson a couple of weeks ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to see just a few verses. What Paul thought about preaching. What the Holy Spirit thought about preaching because he led Paul to these great thoughts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. The Bible says, I'm in chapter 3, excuse me. In verse 17, uh, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now that really gives me, gives the church of Christ a problem. Because they believe the only way you can get saved is to be baptized. That's a work, that's ridiculous. It's a heresy. It says, he said, but God sent me not to baptize. One of the greatest apostles that ever walked this earth said, I don't baptize. Well, baptism is the mode of salvation. Why didn't he baptize? But here's what he did. But to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection. Listen to this. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He said, I didn't, I'm just not an orator. But look at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. That's an that's a awesome statement of the importance of prayer, excuse me, of preaching, that we should not despise prophesying or preaching, is that it's the power of God. And it's which we are saved. It's the power of God. Going down to, um, you know, you think about Romans 1.16, it says the gospel is the power unto salvation. Death, burial, and resurrection Every message ought to get to the gospel somehow. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look at verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Folks, listen, preaching is a demonstration of the Spirit and the power of the Word of God. We should never despise it. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor the prince of this world that came to naught. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now listen to this. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Look at verse 9. But it is written, preaching of the word, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard They have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for them that love them. Back down in verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words with man's wisdom teacheth, but uh, wisdom teacheth, 
but with the Holy Ghost teaching, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So preaching is a demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit using the Word of God. He said, my preaching in verse 4, my preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and power. So let's get back to closing this book out. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. There ought to be some verification in the last days. The ruler for approving all things is the word of God. And the results, spiritual safety. If it don't line up with the word, that's why you ought to bring your Bible and follow in your Bible every message. Then if it don't line up with the word of God, it's not the word that you need to hear. And then we see... Um, also, in verse 21, dedication. It says, prove all things, but hold fast that which is good. You ought to hold fast. Uh, the sub-theme for 2021, and I've already experienced some challenges to this, is faithfulness. We need to be faithful. We need to faithfully follow God. Believers need to stay firm. When you learn the truth, stand on it as the truth. Then we see dedication in verse 21. It says, hold fast that which is good. Faithfulness. Believers need to stay firm, but they need to be hold fast. And then we see separation in the last days. This is holy living in the last days. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. And folks, listen, what's truly evil? We need to guard our testimony. The devil loves to frame the servant of God to try and destroy his influence and his witness. The Bible says in verse 23 that we ought to be beyond reproach, not perfect, but careful, wise in our association. Now let me close with verse 23 and 24. I see the results of proper behavior. The results of proper behavior. Uh, folks, if a person um, will just follow these exhortations, these little short Gatlin Gunn, close out. This is what you ought to do. I mean, he just spoke three or four words to every point. Uh, if you'll do this, walk with God and live holy and do these things like pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, everything give thanks, quench not the spirit, despise not preaching, prove all things, hold th abstain from even the appearance of evil, then what's the result? Well, number one, the presence of the God of peace. It says, and, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Folks, the presence of God, the God of peace, only God can bring peace to a person's soul. The kind of peace that brings absolute assurance, confidence, and security to a person's heart. Let me say this. There can be real regrets getting out of church. And there's got, there can be real regrets getting out of the will of God. And I want to say this, and I'm going to be careful, but I'm going to say it anyway, is if you lose your children because you got out of the will of God, because you got bitter at the preacher, because you disagreed, because you wanted to uh, uh, start your own thing at home, uh, you've lost a lot. It's hard enough to keep kids uh, close to God anyway, and you can't really, only the Holy Spirit can. But uh, the Bible says if you'll do all those things, the very God of peace sanctify you, holy, holy. 
and so we can have peace. Colossians 3.15 says this, the peace of God will rule in your heart. That means umpire. Do you have peace tonight? Is everything all right? Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you've got bitterness in your heart, you'll never have peace. You can only fake a smile. But if you are really right with God and right with others, the very God of peace, and what number two, he'll sanctify you. So we'll experience sanctification. Look at verse 23, the second part, it says, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, a person who follows the exhortations that we just listed, 22 of them, uh, will have the great blessing one day facing God blameless. I didn't say perfect, but I'm saying right with God and finishing right, uh, wholly set apart for God. And, his, and, and folks, God will sanctify you by his truth. He'll make you a vessel of honor, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. And folks, you can face him unashamed and face him thankful with peace in your heart that you were sanctified, you were set apart unto him. Not just set apart from the world, but set apart unto him, that you rejoiced unto him, you prayed unto him, you were patient for him. You followed that which is good for him. Uh, you uh, uh, highly love uh, your spiritual leader for their work's sake, for him. Uh, you comforted the unruly, for him. Uh, you supported the feeble-minded, the weak, and you, were, you, were, you prayed about everything. And you quenched not the spirit. You didn't despise preaching. You honored preaching by putting it first in your life. You proved all things, and you were faithful, and you even abstained from the appearance of evil. The Bible says you'll be sanctified unto him. Look at that. It says, and the very God of peace, and the very God of peace, sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great verse that says that you're going to have a physical, you have a body in heaven, that the resurrection is actually going to take place and your spirit and soul is going to be reunited with your body at the rapture that you're not a ghost up in heaven, that you have a body, a soul, and a spirit, and it'll be blameless in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so third of all, the believer has the spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless in the day of judgment. That means you'll be acceptable to God, that you'll have rewards to cast at his feet, and that what God started, he'll complete. Look at verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth, who also will do it. God is able to help you finish right. God wants you to finish right. God wants you to face him, Jesus Christ, on the throne of God uh, with a clear conscience and, and doing all these things in the last days. Let me give you one more verse, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Um, and I want you to look at these verses because this is exactly the challenge of the day of this dark political scene, this dark pandemic, all this stuff going on that can get you down and get you away from God. The Bible says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You can't please everybody, you just got to please God. I've learned that a long time ago. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Look at verse 14. Do all things without murmuring and disputings 
ye may be, here's the word, blameless and harmless, and the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Are we living in a crooked and perverse generation? They're perverting marriage. They're perverting life. They're, they're perverting everything. And look at this. It says, it's a wicked, crooked and perverse nation among whom, here it is, you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I may not run in vain, neither labor in vain. And so what he's saying is God will help you fulfill all these 22 things that Paul just uh, rapidly gave you to live a holy life. It's by the Holy Spirit, and it's by the Holy Word of God, and God will complete what he starts. He'll finish what he starts if you will let him. God will continue the work, and he'll continue to get glorified if you'll let the Spirit of God live in and through your life that you do all these things. And so it's not a list of, well, I can't do this and I want to do that. It's just quench not the Spirit. Don't yield to the flesh and trust God, the very God of peace, to sanctify you holy. I pray that your body, your spirit, your soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Philippians said that you can be a light in the dark. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message tonight and thank you for this closing passage of Scripture. God, it's been a lot to preach on the last couple of weeks, but I'm glad I could. And Lord, most important of all, I want to live it. And so God, help us tomorrow to rejoice evermore. It's going to be hard at that funeral. God, help us to speak the truth and to lift up the Word of God over everything, to speak the Word of truth and love and see souls saved and see hearts come back to you. And God, to see... Parents that are so brokenhearted, be comforted. Lord, I'm not going to go over to Smyrna Baptist Church Cemetery without your word. I can't do it. And Lord, I can't go without your spirit. And Lord, I know that when I yield to the spirit of God, you will lead and you will give courage. You'll give wisdom and you'll give compassion where we'll care. And Lord, not only facing a a funeral by a graveside of a young man, but God facing all the trials of this day and age. And God, we don't know what we're going to face and what we're going to have to uh, go through. But God, help us to be sanctified up front. Not use you as emergency rations and not call on you when everything falls apart like a lot of people are doing. But God, to yield to you day by day, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. and everything give thanks. All these things that are totally impossible without your spirit leading, guiding, and directing our lives. So Lord, Spirit of God, fill us to overflowing and help us, Lord, in these last wicked and crooked and dark days to be a light, to be sanctified. Lord, we'll thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know we're few in number, but there might be someone in here that needed this message tonight. In these last days, and I believe we're in the last days, I don't, I don't know if we'll, any of us will see 2022. That's why it's urgent that we win souls. It's 
why we urge it that we be spirit-filled. This might be our last week on this earth. You never know. This might be our last year on this earth. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Lord came this year, this week. But you'd say, preacher, I need to be more sanctified. I need to be more set apart for my life in this world for God's glory. I'm going to trust that God will, what he started in my salvation, he'll finish. I want to be a light. I have some loved ones that are away from God. They need to see Jesus and they need to see your hope and your peace and your power in these last days. It's your prayer tonight. Anybody need that tonight? Would you raise your hand high? A prayer, i got to raise mine. Father, thank you for the Bible study. Thank you for, especially for the prayer time because a lot of people are depending on this prayer time. I know the Rice family is depending on this. I know the Kendrick family is depending on us praying for them. And Lord, it's our privilege to bear the burdens. God, we can't do it by ourselves. We don't have the courage to do it. We don't have the words to say. We don't even have the heart to do it. But God, you give us the heart. You give us the words. God, make us a light in this crooked and perverse generation, nation that we live in now. God, help us to be a testimony to prove all things and to hold fast what we've learned even as a child. God, we thank you and praise you for the privilege of being your sanctified vessel in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.